Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Let's raise our cup of tang. Let's wave our American flags, because guys, we did it. We landed on the moon. Yeah. How many of you actually have drank Tang before? How many of you bypassed the water and you just went straight to putting it in? Yeah, that explains a lot about you. Um, Have you seen this movie? Let's see a raise of hands. How many have seen this movie? How many of you actually remember watching it on TV when it happened? There we go. Um, I'm not trying to call out your age or anything, um, but this happened 50 years ago. We just had the 50th anniversary, and it was such a big time uh, for America. It was such a big time for space exploration, Um, and it was such a big time because we finally beat the Soviets. Uh, They were dominating the space race, and so we decided, NASA decided, that we are going to not only go to the moon, we're going to land on the moon, and we're also going to walk on the moon. And so thinking back at beating the Soviets, there are a couple times in my life that I think impacted me, and it all had to do with beating the Soviets. And the first one is this. Uh, When we won in 1980, um, the Winter Olympics, and we beat the Soviets, and we had the America team had a a bunch of ragtag amateur players, and we were playing against the Soviets who had a bunch of professional players. They were supposed to win and win the gold medal. We actually beat them in the game that was called the Miracle on Ice on our way to winning the gold medal. Big time for America. But I think... There's probably another time when we we beat the Soviets that probably impacted my life, um, and it ranks up there right up with us landing on the moon, and it's this right here. That's right. That's right. Rocky IV taking down the Soviets, knocking out Drago. Um, I don't know of another time in my life that I was impacted spiritually um, besides this movie. Uh, But since I was negative 10 uh, when we landed on the moon, there was some research that had to be done about learning about Apollo 11 and some of the guys that were on the ship. And so I thought I would share with you some of the things that I learned, and you may already know these things. Um, One of them was that President Nixon actually had two speeches prepared. He had one if we landed on the moon, and he had another because since we've never done this before, just in case the mission failed, I guess as president, you have to be prepared for everything. As they came back, they actually landed in water and they were picked up. These are the astronauts. They were picked up out of the water. And one of the first things they had to do is they had to go through customs. Anybody, international travel, go through customs. They had to go through customs and they had to declare to customs that they had moon rocks and moon dust, which was interesting. And then after they did that, they were quarantined for three weeks, get this, in an Airstream trailer. Because we all know that if there's an alien disease in these guys, it's not getting out of an Airstream trailer, right? It's going to contain it the whole time. 
Another thing that I learned is that Neil Armstrong um, had a daughter who passed away uh, of cancer when she was two years old, and it was when he was going through preparing for this mission. And the story is that when he landed on the moon, um, he kind of disappeared for a few moments, and he had one of her bracelets, and he dropped it and left it in a crater on the moon. I thought that was a pretty neat story. Um, Buzz Aldrin, who was the second man to come down after Neil Armstrong and to walk on the moon, was a devout Presbyterian. And it is said that he took into space with him a chalice, some wine, and some bread. And the scene where you saw the eagle breaking away from the spaceship and actually landing on the moon, the first thing that he did is he took that out and he took communion on the moon which I thought was neat. But I think the biggest news for me, um, and this is something that kind of, it shook me up a little bit, is we all know the famous saying from Neil Armstrong, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Or at least I thought that's what it was. When Neil Armstrong got back and he heard what people were saying, he said, that's not what I said. He said, what I said was one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Now, I don't know about you, but this one little little letter really messed me up. Like, I'm thinking I've been lied to my whole life. Kind of like when I was little and my parents told me that my dog went to the farm, and then I found out later that that's not actually what happened. This was something that, when I heard this, I kind of got upset. I don't know why it upset me so much, because it's one little letter. But then I started thinking about how we, we messed up the saying then, but also we today like to mess it up as well. And what I mean by that is we like to rearrange what Neil Armstrong said. We like to put the leap first and not worry about the steps. We like to leap to the outcome that we would like to see without having to go through the steps required to get us there. Let me show you an example of that. One of my favorite shows all time on TV is The Office. Any Office fans in here? Yeah. Thank you. Last night and this morning, people that liked it, they wouldn't even, they're like, yeah, it's me. Is somebody looking? Proud of you guys. Proud of you guys. So Michael Scott is the boss, and he's the character played by Steve Carell. And he's having some financial issues um, in this episode. And so he meets with Oscar the accountant to kind of go over everything and figure out what he can do. And see, Michael's in debt. Uh, He owes money, he has to pay for his condo. Um, he, He owes a lot of people money and he has no money. And so Oscar gives him some things, some options, Um, that could help him get out of his financial woes. And one of those options is to declare for bankruptcy. And if you know the office and you know Michael Scott, he doesn't always fully comprehend um, everything. And so he he just knows that if I take this leap and and declare for bankruptcy, then it's gonna be okay. And so he goes out into the middle of the office and he gets everybody's attention. And then he looks up and he says, I declare bankruptcy! And then he walks away in full confidence that all of his money problems are taken care of. But it's kind of like some of the things we do. Think about it. If you want to be a multimillionaire when you retire, that'd be awesome, right? Um, You can't just work your whole life and then when it's time to retire, expect millions of dollars to be waiting on you. You can't leap to that. You actually have to take steps. Every month, set aside a little bit of money that's gonna go to a retirement fund, that's gonna be your investment, that's gonna have a return, so that when you get to the age of retirement, you have a lump sum of money waiting on you. You don't just leap into a great marriage. 
You don't. You have to take steps every day to build a stronger bond and relationship with your spouse. Likewise, guys, um, if, and I know you may not ever do this, but if you say or do something dumb, you feel that nudge from your wife right now? If you say or do something dumb, it's interesting because no matter where you live in this world, if you do this as a guy, we all get sent to the same place. That's right, we get sent to the doghouse. You don't just leap out of the doghouse. Even though everything within us wishes we could wake up the next morning, just leap on out and everything is good in the world. But we know that you don't do that because you have to take steps to get out of the doghouse. And guys, let's be honest, sometimes those are long, slow steps, but they're steps nonetheless. When I get up in the morning, I go to my bathroom and I look in the mirror and I'm like, man, you should get into better shape. This is probably every morning. And I know you're looking at me and you're like, Corey, you are an athletic specimen. I don't know what you're talking about. And I think that sometimes too. And then I caught a glimpse of myself up here on the video screen. And I told myself, I know that the camera adds 10 pounds, but how many cameras are actually on me right now? <laughs> 10, 20, 30, 40 pounds. Makes me feel a little bit better. So I stand in front of the mirror and I'm looking and I'm like, I need to get in a better shape besides the round one. And as soon as I look, I walk out of the bathroom and I begin to have this argument with myself about, do I really want to go to the gym? No, you don't want to go to the gym. Why? Because I would love to leap into a pack, right? Six pack right here of abs. But I don't necessarily want to take the steps required to get those six packs. If I were to take a poll in here this morning and ask how many of us would love to be in a position in your life to be put in a place where you can hear God clearly, where you can hear God direct you um, in every step along the way when it comes to your life and your journey. We would probably all say, sign me up. I would love for God to direct my steps. And it's interesting that we think that because there's a scripture that actually talks about that. Proverbs 16, nine, it says, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. See, God actually wants to direct our steps. God wants to help us be on the path and go in the direction that he wants us to go. Why? Because he knows that is the best direction and that is the best way. And those are the best steps that we could ever take because when we do that, we get to experience God's best. All the blessings, everything that he has for us in this life. But the question comes, how do we get ourselves in a position so we can hear that voice clearly? Because I know in my life, I've come to some big decisions. I've come to things in my life, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, God, I have no idea what you want me to do. So for us this morning, we are going to look at, at God's chosen people, God's children, the Israelites, and we're going to learn how we can set ourselves up to be in a position to follow his steps that he has for us. See, the Israelites um, in the Old Testament, you see that they were in slavery. They start in slavery. They are taken out of slavery, and they go on this journey from slavery all the way to the land that God has promised them, the land of milk and honey. But on this journey, it takes them 40 years. And what we notice about the Israelites is they are in a cycle. They are in a cycle, and they go in this cycle over and over again. And this cycle is they follow God, 
and they are blessed by God. They get to experience all that God has for them. And then they turn from God and they begin to sin against God and go their own way. And then there's punishment. And then from this punishment, they come running back to God and repent and ask for his forgiveness. And what does God do? God delivers them again. And they do this over and over and over. And it kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because it's exactly the same thing that we do. They're in a cycle, but yet we can learn so much from them when it comes to setting themselves up in a process to understanding and to hearing God clearly so they know exactly the path that he has for them. And so that's what we're gonna learn from them today. And the first thing that we can learn is something we need to do, and that's define, define. Define where God is. See, the Israelites were getting closer to the promised land, and they knew it was coming up. They knew there was only a couple more things that they had to do to get there, but they had an obstacle in front of them, and that obstacle was the River Jordan. And this is not just a little creek. Um, it's, it's not just a little stream. This is a massive river. It is an obstacle that they have to get through because there's no way around. They have to get through so they can stay on the direction and path that God has laid before them. And we see them in Joshua 3 that they're camped out a little bit before the Jordan and they're sitting there waiting to hear God's direction so they can figure out how do they get through this obstacle. And in Joshua 3, starting in verse 2, it says, After three days, the officer went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. So we should ask, first of all, what is the Ark of the Covenant? And secondly, why should we follow it? So the Ark of the Covenant is a, um, it's a box, it's a chest, it is covered by gold, it's made of wood, and inside it are some very important things to the Israelite people. There's three things, as a matter of fact, the first thing is the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are in this chest. And see, the Ten Commandments were, were the first laws that God had given them that set up the rest of the laws that helped the people um, follow God and have a relationship with him. So to the Israelites, this reminded them that God had a desire to have a relationship with his people. It's very important. So it's inside. The other thing that was inside was manna. It was a pot of manna. And manna is the bread. Manna is the bread that God dropped from the heavens to feed his people as they went on this journey for 40 years. Think about that for just a second. You're in the middle of your day, you're walking along, you're hungry, all of a sudden, bread drops from the sky, right there, Subway, in your hand. It's a great time. It's such a cool moment. And so what this reminded the Israelites of is of God's provisions, of God's willingness to always take care of his people and give them what they need in order to do what he has asked them to do. And then the last thing that was in the Ark of the Covenant was the staff of Aaron, I picture it uh, of like a walking stick, okay? Uh, like a rod, something you could use, like an old dead piece of wood. And Aaron was the brother of Moses, who was there in the beginning, who got the people out of slavery. And we see two instances in the Bible where the staff of Aaron is, is, is talked about. And the first one is when Aaron went with Moses to Pharaoh, the one who was over e Egypt and who had the uh, Israelites into slavery, he went to him and he said, hey, throw your staff on the ground. It's gonna turn into a snake. 
And then when you pick it up, it's going to turn back into the staff. And then the second instance we see is later on in the Bible, um, the staff actually starts to bloom flowers, bloom flowers and bloom almonds, which would be awesome if you were at work and you needed a good snack, you could just get some healthy almonds out of that thing. And so what this reminded the Israelites of is God's willingness and ability to use whatever he wanted to accomplish his will, even if it was something that was dead. And so these were three examples um, for the Israelites to be reminded of God's provisions, of God's power, of God's love for his people. And then later we see uh, how, how far they should actually stay away from the ark. So what's in it is important, but how are we supposed to follow it? And in, in verse four, it talks about how you were supposed to be um, about a thousand yards away from the ark. And then it goes to talk about why you're supposed to be about a thousand yards. And this is the reason. So you can always see which direction it's going. And I find that interesting because in the, in the New Testament, you have Emmanuel, right? You, Jesus is born. You should call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the people knew because of Jesus that God was with them. In the Old Testament, this is the equivalent this is the equivalent of Emmanuel, God with them. They knew that because of the Ark of the Covenant, not only was God in front leading the way, but also God was in their presence, that God was with them the whole time. Here's what I've learned over the years. Um, you cannot follow something if you don't know where it is. You cannot follow something if you don't know where it is. So for the Israelites to know where God, the Ark of the Covenant was, all the things that represented who God was and how much he loved them. Keep your eyes focused on that. Why? So you could figure out each step, each direction, each turn that God went because that's where he wanted you to follow. For us, Hebrews 12, 2 says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. God wants us to follow him. God has given us the greatest example through Jesus Christ, his son, who came to the earth to sacrifice himself, made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? So that we could become the righteousness of God. We could trade our sin for God's righteousness through Jesus. That seems like somebody I want to focus on and keep my eyes on. So how do we focus on Jesus? Well, I always say, if you want to know the words that God has for you, why don't we just read the words that God has for us? And that's in the Bible. Our students, when I meet with them, one thing I say often is, if you don't eat but once a week, guess what? You're going to be hungry. You're going to be starving. Same thing goes for reading God's word. If the only time we read God's word or hear God's word is when we attend church, guess what happens the rest of the week? We're hungry and we're starving. We need to seek God out through his word because once we have the word in our heart, we know when we come to an obstacle, when we come to something, we need to make a decision. Those words come out and we begin to know what God would do. And that means we are focused on him. When we focus on Jesus, his directions become more clear. The second thing we need to do is dedicate. Dedicate ourselves to the Lord. In verse five, it says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do th amazing things among you. 
consecrate, to prepare, to dedicate, to be set apart, to be holy. And we saw in the Old Testament that the Israelites did this in two different ways. The first way was repentance of sins. All the things that they knew were against God in their lives, all the decisions and all the things that they did that is not what God wanted, they would repent of those sins. And they did that by not only confessing their sins to God and one another, but also by forsaking those sins. See, I know in my life, there, there's a sin and I know it's there and I pray and I repent, God forgive me, and then I feel better and then about three hours later, guess what? I'm back to it. See, there's more to it than that. When we repent of our sins, there's a second part of forsaking that sin. Another thing that they did um, was they put aside the typical. It's pretty easy to look at our lives and see the bad stuff, right? The things that we know that God doesn't want in our lives. But sometimes the typical things that we do every day that really aren't bad can also be something that gets in the way of what God wants to do. And so what the Israelites did is they did things like they would abstain from certain activities. They abstained from some of the normal activities that they had. Another thing they would do is they would change their work schedules. Now, hear me. I'm not telling you, you go call your boss today and say, hey, listen, there was this guy on stage at church and he told me in order to hear God better, I need to change my work schedule. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to work Tuesdays and Thursdays, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, weekends, I'm off. Sound good? Don't do that, please. But they did things that they typically did. They would change it up. Why? So they could be ready for what God had for them. We can say it like this. They were put on spiritual alert. Now, I work with students. And one thing I've noticed over the years, um, especially these past few years, is they always have headphones on. Always. And some of them have the big headphones on, but some of them have the AirPods. And those are the little things that just slide in the ears and they just walk around. You never know if they're listening to music or what's going on. And so when I see a student, even though I see that he has the AirPods on, um, I, I want to engage. And so I'm like, hey, man, how are you doing? And it never fails. They have to take one out and they look at me and they go, huh? All I want to do when I see this is I want to go up to them. I want to take these things out of their ears. Why? So they can hear me clearly. God has called us to dedicate ourselves to him, to get rid of the things in our lives that are keeping us from hearing him. Why? So we can hear him clearly. And the last thing we need to do is decide. Decide to take a step. In verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. And I wanna, I wanna catch you up really quick. So picture this, they are there. They finally get to the Jordan. So they, they followed the, the Ark of the Covenant. They focused on where God was. They consecrated themselves. They got rid of the things, forsake the things that got in the way of hearing God clearly. And when the ark got up to leave, they were ready and they went. And then they get to this obstacle. It's the Jordan River and it is at flood stage. It is harvest time. I mean, this is not some tiny little stream of water. It is a massive river. And at flood time, it was overflowing and the rapids could get up to 40 miles per hour. It looked impossible. But they knew that that's what God told them. They, he, they were in a place where it was clearly told to them, and so they were following. And this is what they're picturing. This is what they're seeing. And I love the next word in the scripture. 
crazy rapids in front of them, obstacle that probably can't be taken down. And then it says, yet. I love, I love God. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. They arrived, they saw the rapids, they saw there's no way we're getting into this. Guess what would have happened if they would have leaped? It would have been bad news, but they didn't leap. The priests took a step. And as soon as the water's edge touched their feet, the rapids from down the stream backed up and stopped flowing. See, you can define where God is. You can dedicate yourself to him, but you will never cross the river unless you take that step of faith. You can look the Bible over and you will never find the phrase leap of faith. But you know what you will find? Walk by faith. And you know what you have to do to walk? You have to take steps. The crazy thing about the, the journey that the Israelites took um, from point A, when they got out of slavery, to let's say point Z, the promised land, it was only about 240 miles. The, distant, the distance of 240 miles. Now, I am, no doubt in my mind, the slowest walker I know. Like, if you see me on stage, you're like, man, he's moving kind of slow. This is, this is my pace. I'm the slowest walker I know. You can ask my wife. I've been married 12 years. I don't know how many times I've heard, hey, hurry up. I'm not going to wait on you. <laughs> it's all the time. But even me being a slow walker, I'm pretty sure I could handle one mile a day. Pretty sure. Maybe even two miles a day. And I'm going to give myself some leeway. Okay, let's say one mile a day. Give myself some leeway. Um, you know, if I have a tight hamstring or if I pull a calf muscle along the way, I don't have my potassium, I cramp up, whatever it may be, I'm going to give myself two years. Okay? 240 miles, two years, I can do that. No problem. God's with me. God's providing. God's conquering everything in front of me. He's giving, I got this. So the question is, why did it take them 40 years to only go about 240 miles? It's because they wandered. They wandered. They wandered away from God's plan so they could do their plan. They wandered away from God's direction so they could follow their direction. They wandered away from God's steps so they could follow their own steps. So I want you to ask yourself today, what's your next step? What's your next step? And when you think about that question, you have to ask these other questions. Are you wandering? Are you wandering in your finances? Are you wandering in your marriage? Are you wandering um, in your responsibilities as a parent? Are you wandering in your faith? Because the Israelites came to this impossible, this impo there was no way they were getting through the River Jordan. But our God made a way. And the same God that was in their presence at the River Jordan is the same God that's in our presence today. And he does not want us to wander because he has a plan laid out for us. He has the steps that he wants to direct us to follow. Why? 
because God's path is always the best path. So what does that mean for us? That means that we have to decide, decide to take a step, to dedicate ourselves to get prepared for that step by getting rid of the stuff that's in our life that is keeping us from hearing God clearly. And we need to define where God is so we can keep our focus on Jesus. Because I want you to know that the most important step that you will take is your next step. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us and caring for us so much that even when we get stuck in this cycle like the Israelites, God, you are always there to deliver us. Even when we wander and go on our own path and take our own direction and our own steps, you are always there to deliver us, to bring us back to the steps that you have for us. God, may we look deep today in our lives to figure out what is keeping us from following your direction. God, I pray that we confess those things, that we forsake, forsake those things, and that we make a decision to take a step of faith that's gonna put us on the path that you have made for us. We're so grateful for your son, Jesus. We're so grateful for how much you love us. And we're so grateful for the future that you have planned for us. May we follow you always, God. It's in your name that we pray, amen. Thank you guys so much. If you want to spend some time in prayer, we have um, some people up front that are be here to pray with you. And we pray you have a great weekend, rest of the weekend. You have a great week of work and we will see you next weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.